what we really wanted to do was, given the current environment, find a way to being able to connect our health professionals to PPE supply that's available in the marketplace. You're listening to GEP Insights for Intelligent Procurement and Supply Conversation. This is GEP Insights. I'm Paul Blake. Welcome to the conversation. Today, we're continuing our series of COVID-19 response conversations about what companies should be doing in response to the impact of the pandemic. Today's episode is somewhat different because we're not going to be talking so much about what companies should be doing, but actually about what we at GEP have been doing. With me today to discuss a really quite exciting project, we have two senior members of the GEP team. Biju Mohan, Vice President of Consulting and Rafiq Merchant, Senior Director of Consulting. Welcome to you both. Thanks so much for having us, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Let's start, as always, with introductions. Tell our listeners, please, uh, about yourselves, what you do at GEP and what your specific areas of interest are. Biju. Sure, Paul. Uh, thanks for having me here today. Uh, so my name is Biju Mohan. I'm a Vice President at GEP. I'm part of the delivery team and one of the leads for the life sciences practice in GEP. My focus is on supporting global organizations in the life sciences sector, helping them in their procurement and supply chain needs, including transformation, strategic sourcing, and ongoing category management. So this is a specific area which has impacted the life sciences sector a lot. So definitely looking forward to sharing my perspectives on how we are helping today and what we're doing. And Rafiq? Thanks, Paul. Um, my name is Rafiq Merchant. I'm a director here at GEP. I've been with the organization for approximately seven years. Uh, my primary focus is around leading our overall procurement transformation engagements for many of our large accounts. Uh, and right now, my focus is more within one of our telecom clients, uh, really helping them navigate not just sort of the current scenario that we're in right now, but also just overall an opportunity to expedite their ability to deliver savings for the organization and ultimately drive uh, bottom line benefit. So a uh, pleasure to be here and excited to talk about sort of some of the efforts that we have going on right now regarding the COVID. Okay, thank you both very much. Now, I'm not going to steal your thunder. I did intimate right at the beginning that we're going to be talking about what GEP are doing in response to this crisis. So what is that? Sure, uh, Paul. Uh, so so this was an initiative that came up uh, based on uh, uh, some of our internal uh, exposure on what uh, some of the hospitals and uh, some of our, many of our uh, uh, clients outside are facing, especially in terms of these, uh, these current uh, crisis. There are many of them who are facing a lot of challenges in supplies uh, of PPE, productive equipment, uh, uh, ventilators, uh, other kinds of materials. On the other hand, we also saw that there were a lot of suppliers and manufacturers out there who were willing to help, but did not have a very good efficient mechanism to reach out uh, and connect with the right uh, provider. So this we thought would be a great opportunity for us to provide that mechanism. I'll let Rafi continue and give more details. Well, thanks, Biju. And just to echo some of what Biju mentioned, Paul, um, at, at its most basic form, what we really wanted to do was, given the current environment, find a way to being able to con uh, connect our health professionals uh, and, and medical professionals to PPE supply that's available in the marketplace. Given the significant uptick in demand for PPE equipment, we know that many of the hospitals, uh, both in our area in the New York, New Jersey area, but across the U.S., were having some trouble identifying uh, PPE supply. And so 
essentially based on our subject matter expertise and sort of the resources that we had available, we wanted to find an efficient way to being able to identify some of those suppliers out in the marketplace and then supporting sort of the procurement organizations within various hospitals to being able to connect them with not only the supply, but then providing any added support they might need as well, whether that's identifying distribution mechanisms, if there's a need to help place the relevant orders, and then ultimately getting that supply their doorstep so that their frontline individuals can ultimately utilize. Let me ask you what prompted this. We're all watching the news, of course, and we're aware of the PPE crisis within the larger crisis. But when did this project start and, and how did it get started? What I'd say, Paul, on, on this front is I, I, would, I would identify two things. One, I'd say, is just the overall leadership commitment at the organization Uh, And then the second is more so the personal commitment from various of our individual employees that wanted to benefit the cause. Um, uh, What I can say is as sort of things were escalating in this arena, um, and I want to say it was probably March 21st when we initially had a brainstorming session with our leadership team here at GEP uh, to identify, is there a way that GEP can help the cause? Is there a way that we can support even our local markets uh, and our local hospitals in a way to help them secure some of this PPE supply given what was going on? And the effort originally started with focusing on three or four hospitals in the New York, New Jersey area, where some of our leadership uh, team had connections along with some of our employees as well to seeing what can we do immediately to start helping these organizations and these hospitals. And sort of from there, it expanded on to a more of a larger effort where we were able to build sort of a centralized portal that is able to connect the supply with demand uh, in sort of a real-time fashion and ultimately help these providers. So um, I'd say that's where it kind of started. Uh, and Biju, feel free to add anything I may have missed. Yeah, uh, th- thanks, Rafiq. Uh, so just to add to that, a little bit more uh, context on that. So, so many of us, including Rafiq, myself, and some of the other leaders are currently working with clients. And uh, we get to, when we continue to speak to them, some of these stakeholders have families and friends in the sector. Uh, in the healthcare sector who are at the forefront of this crisis. So hearing from them, we had a first-hand knowledge of some of the challenges that they were facing, some of the challenges that the hospitals were facing. So almost in a, around the same time, uh, our leadership, who are also very passionate about supporting and giving back to the community, uh, also had similar ideas and, and, and wanted to get connect with us to see how we can support this whole uh, uh, issue in a much more productive manner, leveraging our strengths and our capabilities. So this whole thing started uh, through a quick brainstorming session. We had one Saturday, I think it was March 21st. Uh, On that day, uh, it was a small team, Rafiq, myself, uh, Neha and Subhash, Rupa among our co-founders and and few people from the technology side who got together to see what can be done in a very short uh, span of time, in a very quick span of time, which can help uh, put together a solution that will connect the hospitals with the suppliers and manufacturers here. So that was the genesis of this whole discussion. Yes, absolutely. Now, our listeners won't know this, but we're recording this less than three weeks from that initial discussion. At GEP, of course, we do pride ourselves in being able to be very flexible and move very fast. But even given that, this project seems to be unprecedented in its speed to realisation. How many people were involved? What was the process? Tell us a bit about that. 
Sure. So let me let me uh, start it off, and uh, Rafi can obviously provide more details. So the first step was uh, obviously to think about a technology-based solution to help this whole linkage between the hospitals and suppliers. So uh, what I, when I mentioned earlier that it was a short call on a Saturday. Uh, when the, uh, it was a multifunctional team that got together, which included technology folks, uh, the leader, G, the GEP leadership, and a few of us who were more on the service side, to talk about how we can solve this. So the first step was to come up with a very basic, quick, and easy to understand website, which can be used as an entry point for hospitals, for suppliers, to provide details of what kind of products do they need, what kind of information do they need to provide to help them uh, and and uh, and who do they need to reach out to so that was the first discussion which was almost like a technical uh, setup needed for the website uh, uh, the, uh, and and this whole website was set up and ready to operate in a short span of two days so we started on saturday discussed the requirements monday we had a prototype website ready tuesday it was ready to go so it was as quick as that the second part of it was to have a voluntary team who will be the backend for this website. This team will be responsible for uh, reaching out to suppliers who are connected to, through the website, who needed specific information, who also need, or needed help in uh, in in putting the information together. That is that will be shared with hospitals or vice versa. So, so we had a voluntary team which uh, included folks from India, from the U.S. office, uh, from our Costa Rica office. So, so uh, and, and they were brought in. They were uh, they provided their voluntary time, uh, and, and we had a quick call on Wednesday to set. Uh, set up that team. So in a short span of the entire week, the team was ready, they were signed up, they were onboarded, uh, the website was ready, the, the phone numbers uh, and the email centers for the help helpline was set up and it was all ready to go. Well, that's terrific. Thank you. Um, Rafiq, talk a little bit about how the COVID-19 help program actually works. How do healthcare providers find suppliers? What is the process that the suppliers go through? Uh, and also, who's paying for this? Sure, sure, Paul. So what we wanted to try to do uh, was make sure we kept the process as simple as possible for our healthcare professionals and medical professionals to be able to identify and connect with supply. We know that they have many other priorities going on at the moment, um, and this should just hopefully be a seamless process, as seamless as we can make it, to help identify, identify suppliers for them. So all medical providers or any suppliers who have supply available would need to do is go to our website, which is www.gep.com forward slash COVID-19 help, and they will get access to the portal and website that Biju was just referencing. Once they get to that portal, they'll see that there's three sections that have been laid out uh, on the portal. One is if they're able to provide supply or if they are a supplier. The second is a section where if they need supplies, so if they are a hospital or a medical professional or a healthcare organization, they would simply click in that area. And the third is if there is a manufacturer or a small business who has an interest in helping the cause, but right now would need support in repurposing their equipment or need some additional subject matter expertise. So based on which bucket the individual falls in, they would simply go to that section of the website, uh, click on the link that's provided, and they will be prompted to enter the relevant details. So details would include 
the supplies that they're able to provide, if it is a supplier, the quantities that they can provide, their specific contact information, supplier information, and then any type of certification that they have as well, FDA or otherwise, which we can pass along to our medical professionals. Similarly, if it is a medical professional that's reaching out, they would simply go in and provide us the quantities of the different medical uh, PPE equipment they need, whether that's masks, ventilators, um, sort of surgical masks, uh, any face shields um, or gloves, uh, gowns, etc. They would provide the quantities they need and submit that to us along with their relevant details. Once that information is provided on the website, our help desk team that Biju mentioned would essentially connect that those specific medical professionals with the relevant suppliers available. So we will directly reach out to them via email uh, or a potential phone call, sharing the available supply that's out there in the marketplace along with those supplier names uh, and essentially connect the two parties together. Now, when it comes to the cost, Paul, that you mentioned, what GEP is trying to do is provide a free pro bono service here of being able to connect the suppliers to relevant medical organizations or healthcare professionals. Once we've made that initial connection uh, between the supplier and the medical professionals, um, we then let the medical professionals go ahead and take the process forward in terms of placing that order in the amount of quantity that they need. Now, as part of that process, if there is any additional support that our hospitals or medical professionals require, they can simply reach out to us uh, or our help desk team and ask for the additional support that's needed. So again, from a website perspective, uh, GEP is providing this as a free pro bono service. Once the supplier and the medical professionals are connected, it is then upon the medical uh, hospital organization to go ahead and order the supplies that they require. Uh, Paul, if, if I may add uh, just a few points. Yes, indeed, Biju, go ahead. Uh, so, so just one one more uh, example of uh, probably uh, how a sort of a multiple sets of communication that happens is that uh, we have also accounted for manufacturers out there who might be able to provide support either through uh, repurposing their existing manufacturing lines to be able to manufacture PPE uh, or or they might already have existing capacity to manufacture these requirements and be able to supply to hospitals. Uh, so we've been able to provide that facility too in the website where any specific manufacturers can log in and enter their details and then one of our team members can reach out and provide any help either uh, connect them with some of our experts on the manufacturing side uh, who can help them or guide them in the repurposing process uh, or, or or directly connect to the hospitals as Rafiq explained. So that's another uh, uh, nuance that I just wanted to add, add here. Thank you both very much indeed. This is an unusual situation whereby this is a project that we wish has a very short life indeed. But given the hard reality that the crisis is unlikely to be over in the next couple of weeks, I'd like to ask you both how it's going. Just two and a half weeks into this project, which is no time at all in the normal course of events, are you seeing results already? Sure, sure, Paul. So I think uh, so far we've been pleased in the sense that individuals and medical organizations are utilizing the platform. I I would say over just a span of a few days, we've had quite a few suppliers reach out to us uh, to provide uh, inputs into the medical PPE equipment that they have available. These suppliers have spanned across the globe from uh, suppliers in the U.S. on the West Coast to the East Coast, but in addition, suppliers in Abu Dhabi and Australia as well. 
In addition to that, we've also had good out inbound requests from various medical organizations and hospitals as well, um, utilizing the platform, either asking for uh, a few different types of PPE equipment or just being focused on one specific type, uh, for example, masks. Uh, and we've been fortunate enough to being able to connect those various medical organizations with the relevant suppliers. So overall, Paul, I think what I would say is we're pleased that we're able to make an impact. And we're pleased that uh, medical professionals and suppliers are both utilizing the platform effectively and, and with hopes that we are able to connect one to the other as well. In addition to that, uh, we've also had a couple manufacturers reach out to us where they've started asking for some support and being able to repurpose some of their equipment, uh, seeing you know a couple fabrication providers and suppliers that are out there that could potentially repurpose some of their existing equipment. And our teams are working on providing them the relevant sort of subject matter knowledge to being able to connect them with others in the marketplace that can help them do so. So overall, I think we're pretty pleased and we're just grateful that we're able to make that impact. Well, as somebody from GEP not directly involved in the delivery of this project, I believe I speak for all of us in the company when I say how proud we all are of what you've been able to do so far in such a short space of time. And as I said, I hope this project comes to an end very quickly, but for however long it runs, I hope that it has every possible success. Now, I want to ask you why GEP are able to do this. What is it about our organisation that makes it possible to deliver this kind of thing in such a short space of time? Biju? Sure. Uh, so, Paul, in my opinion, there are a couple of reasons which uh, spring to my mind. Uh, first uh, is, uh, obviously, we have an amazing talent of uh, people, both in the technology and service side, who are willing to uh, uh, work in a very agile manner, very rapid manner, and and, and put come up with solutions and, and then implement it on a, on a, on a fast basis. So that, that's been our DNA in terms of always uh, figuring out how we can convert an idea into reality. And that's uh, uh, this is a great example of how that has been implemented here. So as I explained, the website was set up, uh, conceptualized uh, in a day on, on a Saturday. By Sunday, a prototype was available. By Monday, a website, a complete website was available for implementation. Similarly, on the service side, the team was informed or, or we asked for volunteers on Monday. By Tuesday, we had a full team available, ready to start. And by Wednesday, we had the whole fundamental process for the helpline and how to take it forward, uh, all agreed and aligned. So we had a full solution in a matter of three to four days. That was the first uh, big area that we thought uh, helped uh, in the success of this program. The second one is obviously GEP's capabilities itself in terms of understanding this uh, market, both on the, on, the, on the demand side as well as on the supply side. So we have an understanding of what kind of requirements uh, come from hospitals. We had a good uh, initial, good, strong understanding of the supply markets and potential suppliers, as well as manufacturers who can supply this. So both these capabilities and our ability to implement quickly uh, have been our uh, success factors here. Let's now look forward to a time, hopefully in the very near future, when we're past the immediate crisis and organisations are looking at recovery and how to reorganise themselves for greater resilience and stability in the face of similar crises in the future. In your opinions, what learnings can companies take from what is happening right now when they consider the supply chain post-COVID-19? Sure. So maybe maybe I can I can kick it off and then Rafik, uh, you can add. So. So I think uh, the first and foremost, the biggest learning here is that these kind of pandemics, at least till end of 2019, where 
thought to be more imp improbable, if not impossible, uh, and and companies would rarely take uh, corrective action to to make sure that they were uh, in a position to respond to it. Uh, but obviously, uh, since uh, January of this year, as you can see, this is very much a reality. Companies are being forced to consider this as, as uh, and are being uh, looked upon to figure out business continuity plans in these kind of situations. So one, one long-term implication of this uh, crisis is there is going to be a greater focus on risk management, risk assessment. Uh, companies will have to figure out business continuity issues for situations which may not be very probable, but can be uh, can be very likely to happen. Beginning of this year, as the as the pandemic uh, indicated, uh, com uh, companies now will have to be more prepared for events that were considered improbable, but uh, going forward actually potentially might happen very frequently. Uh, so, so they will have to have uh, strategies in place. They will have to have uh, backup options in, from their supply perspective, from their supply chain perspective, manufacturing perspective, which can help them weather this crisis. That is one, one strategy that companies will need to uh, account for or, or incorporate into their operational plans going forward. GEP is well positioned to support them uh, in a very agile manner, as you can clearly see. Thank you. Rafiq, let me ask you a similar question then. For quite some time, there has been a move in all businesses with supply chains to adjust in time type model with low inventory, as little cash as possible tied up in stock in transit. And in some cases, this model has collapsed completely recently. Do you think we're going to see a new model emerging with a restructuring of how supply chains should work? With more focus on multiple supply lines, more stock on hand and more reliance on local warehousing, local distribution than on end-to-end -end just in time supply chains. Sure, yeah. And I think I think that's a great point, Paul. Uh and, and I think something Biju alluded to a little bit earlier as well, where I do see, of course, with the with sort of the uh pandemic that we saw in the current environment we're in, I think we will see a better balance of that in terms of what is expected in terms of just in time delivery versus the amount of inventory held on hand versus having freed up cash flow. Um that being said, I do think companies are going to need to focus on having added supply agility. What I mean by that is where historically organizations relied on maybe just one strategic supplier um, really working on expanding the relationship with, with one potential provider out there, having a lot of their eggs in that one basket, we will see a little bit of a shift moving to having sort of a dual supply base or a multi-supply base supply chain for many of these organizations with the intent to diversify risk, uh, mitigate risk, and making sure that if one area of supply chain goes down or one avenue of supply goes down, that they do have uh, contingency plans in place. Now, in order to get there, get there it doesn't happen overnight. There, would be, there will be some growing pains in doing so. This would require additional supplier qualifications, additional testing, additional onboarding of suppliers that are out there in the marketplace, and it will require some legwork up front. But I think Coming out of this, as we sort of start to normalize again, I think companies will have an increased focus on sort of having sort of this supply agility and having sort of these dual source models so that if a situation, God forbid, like this does happen again, they do have some more developed contingencies rather than being reliant on sort of one source that's out there in the marketplace. 
In addition to that, Paul, I think one other thing that companies will focus on or should focus on coming out of this uh, environment that we're in is having a prioritized approach to uh, having a structured cost advantage. What I mean by that is, of course, as organizations are trying to navigate through the current environment that we're in, there are going to be immediate cost-cutting initiatives, uh, finding ways to improve cash flow uh, and, and ultimately find more cash on hand. But that being said, I think as we move to normalcy, organizations should start thinking about moving away from even potentially a source-to-pay model versus to a budget-to-pay model. What I mean by that is organizations having a linkage between procurement and with finance to really have a very good understanding of every requisition that's flowing through their organization and having sort of proactive visibility into their spend patterns so that they're able to make an impact at the point of requisition versus it being something that's done retroactively. And that'll just give organizations that added visibility to, again, better forecast and be in a better position um, a situation like this happen again. So I think those are definitely a couple things that uh, we'll see a trend once we start getting back to normalcy post this current environment. A couple of more trends that I see. Uh, one is uh, that we will see a greater adoption of newer technologies like uh, 3D printing, uh, additive manufacturing, etc., being adopted by some of these companies who have been late to the uh, late to this uh, game. Uh, specifically, I can already see that there are a number of suppliers of PPE uh, who are uh, developing these uh, manufacture, uh, manufacturing cap capacity from a 3D perspective, uh, 3D printing perspective. Uh, similarly, uh, we also will see a lot of new technologies and innovation. Uh, you can see that happening already in new designs uh, being launched by companies, universities for ventilators, uh, which allows it to be split among multiple uh, patients at a time. Uh, so, so that's definitely something that we can look forward to in the future. One more impact that I do see is that there will be a lot more agility in the lead times associated with regulatory clearances. There is already a lot of pressure on the FDA to, cl to clear out a lot of designs, uh, which will enable making these products, vaccines, and test kits available faster to the to the patients. So we do expect to see a lot of liberalization there. So, so these are my two cents. Well, again, thank you both very much. That was very interesting indeed. Thank you, Paul. Thanks so much, Paul. I think everyone will agree with me that we wish the COVID-19 Help Project the very greatest of successes connecting the suppliers of vital PPE to where it's so urgently needed, but also that this project becomes redundant very soon indeed. Thank you all for listening to this episode of GP Insights for Intelligent Procurement and Supply Conversation. I'm Paul Blake and I'll see you in the next episode.